continuing on. So he has told them, I have the assurance that you, brethren, are full of goodness. Now we have joy, peace, now goodness, which is a part of righteousness. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of Christ, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about human goodness and righteousness. It has to be joined. The fruit of goodness and peace and joy is the union of Christ and the believer. Fruit cannot be produced by Christ and a believer without his consent. So he's the vine. He produces the life. And yet the branch has the ability to reject it or to accept it, always. And when he accepts this life, as Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So there's no spiritual life without Christ. But there's no spiritual life without the branches. So, And they do not bear fruit, who do not stay with the Lord and follow him. He said, my father will cut you off. And their end is to be burned. He's making it plain what's going to happen to those who were once in Christ, but did not continue with him. They went back to the world, the pleasures of the world. They served themselves and pleasures, and they ceased serving the Lord, forgetting who they belonged to. Okay, So we're seeing that. So that's why we say this joy, peace, and righteousness, it has to be practical. See, people, again, they always talk about their position in Christ. That don't mean nothing if it ain't working out of you. You can talk about that till you're blue in the face. It don't impress God. Jesus said, why you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? He doesn't recognize himself as being your Lord if you don't recognize he's the master. And you must obey him when he makes it plain. Okay? And if we go back, we see even in Hebrews when he chastens those who fall and Christians into certain things and they won't judge themselves. He says the judgment of the Lord is grievous, painful. He said that you'll be partakers of righteousness. What, what's the purpose of it? That you won't find pleasure in your sinning when you're in pain and suffering. It catches your attention. If you have a bad toothache or something, you ain't worried about nothing else. All you can think about is this hurts. You're not interested in other things, okay? And it's to catch the person's attention. And if they don't, then he lets them live their own life. He'll leave them alone, okay? So he says, what? That you will be partakers of his righteousness. See, you can't be partakers of it while you're living in gross sin. And then he makes it plain. For without holiness, this is practical holiness. This is not your position in Christ. This is your lifestyle walking in the spirit of Christ. He said, for without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, you're not going to make it to heaven. As Paul would say before, you'd live in these kind of sins and practice them. He says, you'll not inherit the kingdom. Why? Because you're not a Christian. See, people claim, well, I'm a Christian. Well, you can't be. You can't be a Christian to be living in adultery and fornication and being a lover of the world and disregarding God's will. You can't be. You just got mental assent. 
And you're going to be like the multi-million saying, Lord, Lord. And at judgment day, he goes, I don't know you. I never knew you. But they had religion. As we said, the devil believes all of these things. They don't save him. Okay? So mental assent and confession is invalid, as we see. And you'll find many false shepherds. And, uh, all they want you to do is confess and believe. You don't find that in Scripture. You find repentance and remission first. All your confession of sins means nothing if you don't repent. Repent means you turn around and stop doing it. So a lot of people keep confessing and confessing. They don't change. Well, their confession's vain. And God doesn't forgive until he sees the true effort put forth and that he helps. God does no repenting for anyone. He does no believing for anyone. He gives grace and help, but you have to do it, okay? And he's not going to do it for you. And the will is never altered. He does not overwhelm people. There is no irresistible grace as the heretic teaches. If there was irresistible grace, a Christian would never sin. But they fail at times, and we're lured away through temptations and pleasures. That's our probation. Uh -huh. But if there was irresistible grace, you would never sin again. How come they don't teach that? <clears throat> That's interesting, isn't it? Okay. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's Christ in us. And he said, and you, brethren, are able to admonish. That is to teach, exhort, and warn. So he's talking about the mature Christian. All mature Christians should be able to do that to some degree. So other Christians who are babies and novices, you're supposed to be helping them so they can grow up in Christ. So again, Jesus was confined for his life as a human until he was offered as the sacrifice. And we've said this over and over again, but it shows us the separation and what God's doing and how he goes and does it. John 15, we just mentioned this, but it's worth mentioning again. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. He's talking about disciples now to bear fruit, okay, and that it will remain and that whatever you ask the Father's name, he'll give it to you with confidence in prayer, okay? But when he was on earth, he was with them. He couldn't enter them. He hadn't been glorified. He was confined. He had taken on the human nature and had to trust the Holy Spirit and the Father for everything. Every miracle, basically, he did was because he was baptized with the Holy Spirit as a man. He did not do as God. Most people like to claim he didn't. He didn't. Only time he did it was when he made the exception when the Father wanted to show him when he was transfigured. But as a whole, he did everything as a man, a prophet yielding to the Holy Spirit. And that's why he was baptized. But he said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. How shall I be in you? He is the divine God. Christ, when it speaks of Christ, he's the divine human. Jesus is just the human side, and he was limited. 
He even said, I don't know the day when the father's going to send the son at the second coming. He knows that now. He didn't know several things as a human. He grew in wisdom. He learned certain things, and I'm sure the father told him certain things. But it wasn't a knowing as God himself. He received it as a servant of the Lord and as a prophet of the Lord. So I will dwell with you, but I shall be in you. Okay. So Christ, when he was ascended, and he asked before he's put to death, Father, restore the glory which I had with you before the world was. What was the glory? He's part of the Godhead. All things were created by him and for him. Okay. He is the eternal Father. He is the Almighty God. He is that Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Very simple scripture, if you can understand it. He said, now the Lord is that Spirit. Who? Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. He's one with him. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So he's linking himself with the Father and the Spirit. They never do anything separate, except when he was confined to his human body. And then he had to trust, but he did not act with the divine nature. Okay, He had to give up his life, and on the cross he said, it's finished, he accomplished it. And then when he was resurrected and ascended into heaven, all the glory was restored to him. So his union with the Godhead, which he always had. Remember he said before the world was. He said that's offended the Jews. He said, I am the I am. I'm the existing one. It means I had no beginning or end. Well, they didn't like that, did they? They tried to murder him then. You, a man, make yourself to be God. That's what they said. They understood what he was saying. But their sin still deceived them, and the Lord kept things hidden from them. But I have written, verse 15, very boldly to you on some points as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. Okay? So he's recorrected them, rebuked them, admonished them. He's acting as a prophet, you know, as an Old Testament prophet. He's telling them, since he formulated some in this church and he was laying foundation, he had the right to oversee them. And he just tells you what my ministry is and what I was called to do. So I do these things, he's saying, as the ministry of an apostle with that extra grace from God. So he spoke as a prophet, which every apostle was a prophet. It's interesting. Every prophet was not an apostle, but every apostle had the fivefold ministries because he laid foundations and started churches. At the beginning, he had to do a little bit of everything, and he was gifted for it. But there were prophets that were not apostles in the New Testament. They warned and they reproved and corrected, but they didn't run about establishing churches. A lot of them were more local. And they warned the Christian about certain events or when they were getting into error or exposing heretics and so forth. So God was empowering him, okay? Back to 
Romans, Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly, but he is to think with the right mind, as God has dealt with each one of us the measure of faith. And what was the grace given to him? He was an apostle to the Gentiles. And he actually was an apostle to the Jews also. But God put a great burden on him. He was graced. He said he was given more revelation than the other apostles because he had to establish the Gentile church. And he knew in the years to come there wouldn't be no Jewish church. They were fading away. The old system was being abolished. And it was the body of Christ which was the holy nation and the holy Israel. They had become that, okay? They were the true Jew. And Paul said the true Jew follows the Lord. But if you're an outward Jew and you're circumcised and you don't keep the law, you are not a Jew. He said it doesn't count. Your circumcision is vain. It don't mean nothing. See? So, so much for baptism and church ritual, if your heart isn't in the right place, it's not accepted by the Lord. Okay? And what was given him again, the grace, verse 16, to be a minister of Christ. We can say, because it's true too, to be an apostle of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Ministering as a priest, he goes back to the law and to the Jew, they understood this, as a priest the gospel of God. So my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. As a minister of Christ, an apostle to the Gentile nations, he ministered as a priest would under the old. See, the Jews would understand this. And while they offered sacrifices and spices and so forth to be acceptable, he offered the Gentiles, not only the gospel, but he offered the Gentiles up to God as he made acceptable sacrifice. And he was given them, fulfilling his ministry, offering the Gentiles to God as they were converted and as they were saved, being acceptable and sanctified by his spirit. Okay, so he made them acceptable. And the same as the priest under the law had to be set aside and sanctified and consecrated so they wouldn't be a common person. They had a special ministry. Well, as we read scripture, we see that the least in the kingdom of God, the least true Christian can go in spiritually between the Holy of Holies that John the Baptist and none of the prophets could do. He has a standing higher than all of them. And he said, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And he was considered the greatest prophet, John the Baptist. And he was the only prophet that didn't do any miracles. Isn't that astounding? Usually a, a prophet had to do some miracles to prove who he was. And God would confirm it. And yet Jesus said he was the greatest of those ministries. Okay. So he offered them up to the Lord. They were consecrated as his servants. So Christ calls out from the world 
So one repents and turns around to a new master. He obeys that Lord. That's what God expects. Now, Hebrews, when the priest, though, before we go to Hebrews, when the priest was called out from the right family, the Levite, he had to be sanctified. That means separated from that which is common, ordinary, and made special and holy. And then he was consecrated with the blood and the oil. Now you have a new master to serve. So you're not serving yourself and the devil. You're serving the Lord. So that's what God does to the Christian. All Christians act as high priests. So we don't need priests. There are no other intercessors other than the Godhead, other than Christ as the intercessor and the Holy Spirit. There is no other person we're supposed to be praying through. It's an abomination, blasphemy, to seek a human as an intercessor, okay? It's not acceptable. Remember the Lord your God's a jealous God, and he won't have certain things. Okay, we look at Hebrews 9.14. So how much more? So when Christ is saving the Gentiles through the preaching of the gospel and the giving, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, he purges your conscience from dead works. This is repentance. See, a lot of people confess, oh, I believe, I believe. They don't repent. They're still living the same sins, and they don't expect to change. See, they deny the power of the gospel. It can only save them, but it can't stop them from the power of sin because they have a false form of Christianity, okay? So he offered himself without spot he did it for us, okay? He was our representative. And he'll purge your conscience. So the person who comes to him, he cleanses their past sins because they do what? They turn their back on the world and say, I'll serve you. And God accepts them and cleanses them and gives them his spirit. He cleanses them from dead works, human efforts, pharisaical efforts, to please God that the Spirit has not produced. An evil tree produces evil fruit. They can't produce anything else. But then they can produce good fruit because Christ is in them, and they can yield to him. So they're purged from the dead work for what reason? To serve the living God. See, they are made like a priest. They're ready. They could go into the sanctuary. Anybody else went in, they'll be put to death and stoned. But they were sanctified, consecrated, and so the Christian has the standing of a high priest. That's the old system. It's lacking. It was not meant to last. It was supposed to be a schoolmaster to bring us into a better covenant. 17. For this reason, in Christ, I have found reason for boasting or glorying in things pertaining to God. So he said, before God, I glory in the success. I'm going into the Roman world, and I'm preaching to the Gentiles. And he's planning, and he's watering, and he's laying foundations. 
but it's God that gives the increase, okay? Paul tells us that we all do this as Christians. Some of us plant, some water, and he said something that astounds people. He said, but they're nothing. See, he's saying it's not your efforts, it's Christ in you, that you're a vessel. But the vessel's not that important for ministry. It's who's in the vessel. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We accomplish our part. We do the part, the Lord, as the author and finisher of our faith, he inspires, he gifts, he graces, but he's doing it in us, but he still needs us. He needs the copper wire to run the electricity. He needs the pipes to run the water. He needs the branches to bear the fruit. See, that's how he works, okay? The Lord does nothing. People don't believe this, but it's true. There are things that are told it's going to happen in the end time, and Daniel, the prophets, and Revelation. And he's foreseeing or foretelling us what he's going to do. But he does nothing on the earth that he doesn't do with the help of the body of Christ. Everything. He's the head. So anything pertaining to the earth and the body of Christ, he uses the body. So he seeks people to pray before he brings revival. He seeks people to do things. And under the old, he looked for an intercessor. And because he couldn't find one, he judged the people. See, he didn't show no more grace. But he looked, and had he found someone capable and in the right standing, he would have held off judgment, as he did with Abraham. Abraham started off with, what, 50, if he could find 50 people. Then he began to think how wicked Sodom and Gomorrah was. He finally got down to 10. Didn't it something? There was only one. Lot was the only righteous one. Uh The Bible calls him righteous. The heretic says, oh, he was a carnal Christian. He lived at a different time. He didn't have the privileges we have. And yet the Bible says his righteous soul was vexed by their evil deeds. His righteous soul. And the angels told him, we cannot destroy this place until you leave, until you're out. See, they've been given that command. You look for the righteous. And they only found him. Yet they offered, is there anyone else that wants to go? Anybody wants to join you? They could have. The sons-in-law were planning on getting married. They could have joined the daughters. But they mocked him. Even Rahab, the harlot, because she protected the witnesses, the messengers, and hid them. She went to the higher law. She was a Gentile, didn't know much of anything. But she lied to protect them. When they came into her house, she said they went. She went to the higher law of love to protect their life. And do you know what they promised her? When you put the red cord out the window, anybody in your house will be saved. Whether it was family, friends, she could invite anybody. And when they were in that place, it said, Joshua, then they sent the soldiers in. You know what they did? They escorted those in Rahab's house out of the city before they destroyed everybody. She's the great-great-grandmother of David. Isn't that interesting? She was a Gentile. So he's glorying in his apostleship. 
He said, I'm called an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher. That's what he was. Okay. For I will not, verse 18, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. He only speaks the message that Christ gave him. He didn't come to bring his own messages, okay? And to bring them to the Lord. They obeyed the gospel of Christ through his preaching. They confessed the Lord and they started to follow him in obedience. They put off the old sinful nature to put on the new man. Well, we still contend with that as long as we're in this corrupt body, the sin principle is still there. And that's why we are tempted. But we keep being told to put off, put off, keep it down. Don't let him rise up. And we keep told to put on Christ, walk in the spirit. See, we have the capability and we have to do it continually. Okay? Because we live in a probation. He that is faithful to the end will be saved. He has a right to test as he did the angels. And one third of them fail. He has a right to test mankind. So when they enter heaven, they'll have them be tested again. They'll be loyal and proven. He said when the Lord comes, he said, it's the called, the chosen, and the faithful. A lot of people, oh, I'm called, and I'm a Christian, and I'm all saved, once saved, always saved, and I'm chosen before the foundation of the world. But they don't mention that last part. He said, faithful. So if you're not faithful, you're not called or chosen. Very simple. And James says, that kind of Christianity doesn't have any spiritual work. He says, dead. Your faith is dead. Invalid. That's what it means. Lip service don't mean nothing. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. And he meant spiritual works. He didn't mean pharisaical human works apart from the Lord. He meant yielding to the Spirit and producing fruit. So he said what? By word and deed, verse 19. So in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illicom, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul told us once, he said what? He said, I've not held back anything that was good for you. I've given you the whole counsel of God. Well, most of the preaching of the gospel is not the whole gospel. It's five and six scriptures, and they think they're getting people saved. Well, even if they are, they're going to die real quickly because you leave babies to themselves, they'll die. Okay? You don't find that teaching in scripture. You start making disciples of them. You don't get them to say five scriptures, and that saves them. That's a fallacy and a lying gospel, okay? And many believe this. And that's how they are saved, so they're not truly saved. They don't continue with the Lord. They don't repent. They don't stop living a sinful lifestyle, but they start going to church and singing a few hymns before the Lord, okay? And the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit. So God confirmed the gospel. And even at times, when there are no outward signs and wonders, 
he still convicts the conscience. You know, that's a miracle. A man cannot do that. Only the Holy Spirit can enlighten the conscience. Only by the preaching of the Word. So when people are truly saved, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through the messenger. And he does it. He's the only one to give life. Okay? So a lot of people aren't convicted of their sin. Oh, just accept the Lord. He's waiting for you with open arms. And they don't tell them nothing else about that. They're not told about the wrath of God and sin and God saving them from hell and for the wrath to come. And they better stay with him and learn to walk in the fear of the Lord because if you don't, you're going to hell one day. So you don't tell them all that. Easy believism, but it's not the real gospel. It's a false gospel. See, they think you're supposed to have three minutes to get somebody saved. Paul and the apostles, they spent hours preaching and teaching, and they talked to them. They didn't just give, oh, these three scriptures, now you can go your way. And then the minister puts a little cut mark on his belt. Oh, I got another one saved. You're a liar. You're going to end up in hellfire. Okay? You glory in your pride. You don't glory in the spirit. So we see this. He's the only one that enlightens. He gives the truth to the human spirit, enlightens him. Signs and wonders and miracles do not save anyone. The spirit only gives truth and the life of Christ to the one repenting and confessing. If you don't hear of repentance, the true gospel's not been given. And I hear many people say, especially Calvinistic type, well, Paul didn't preach repentance. Then he was a false apostle because we'll prove that he did. And that's what Jesus told him to preach. And he preached it. So confessing and believing don't save a person. The devils believe and tremble. They know that Christ is the Holy One of Israel and he's going to throw them into the lake of fire at the end. They know what's coming for them. So they recognize who he is. He's just not their Lord. They don't obey him. It's far past the capability. Okay? So he preached all around the eastern part of the Roman Empire, the Asia Minor, Syria, Turkey. Well, most of the churches in uh, Revelation, seven churches out of Turkey area. He preached the gospel, and he didn't just give salvation verses. The gospel is all of the words of Christ and the apostolic teaching. I've said it before, we say it again. Christ said when he appeared to them after his resurrection and before he ascended into heaven, what did he tell them? Uh, okay, we want to find out what he said, and we've said it many times. And so we are talking in Luke 24. Verses 46 and 47. Thus it is written, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples after the resurrection, that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting here you don't hear about confessing and believing? See, because confessing and believing is after repentance. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Read the verses before. Don't be a heretic and take them out. 
The verses before was their spirit was enlightened and they were born again. Something had already happened, and so they are speaking out what happened. When they were baptized, it was because something happened in them. They were already baptized spiritually, and they were showing outwardly what happened. And the same with uh, James said, Paul said, Abraham's circumcision didn't do him a get a blood until he obeyed and kept the promises, and he was circumcised as a sign of his righteousness before God. He was made righteous as a Gentile. He wasn't made righteous because he was circumcised. That was to follow. So we're seeing this, okay? That he went to these areas and he preached the whole gospel. He didn't preach mental assent and just confess and believe the Lord. Uh -huh. He preached repentance and remission and forgiveness of sins. The confessing and believing was the best part. You don't confess the Lord. That's what Jesus said, well, I call me Lord, Lord. You don't do what I tell you. If you've not repented and committed yourself to me, I'm not your Lord. And the multitudes are going to say, Lord, Lord. They believe all that. And he's going to say, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. They did not repent of the lawlessness and turn to the law of Christ. And he says, you're cursed of my father into everlasting punishment. These are multitudes of professing Christians that it's going to happen to. Okay, and now let's go to, to Matthew 28. We've been there a lot of times. We'll be there many. See, people want to know new scriptures, and they don't even know the old. They always want something new. I said, that's the Corinthians. They wanted something new, and but they didn't have no love, and they didn't have no understanding what the Lord was doing. So he judged many of them and killed them, got them sick because they weren't spiritual and they weren't living right. Oh, but they wanted to know more things. So knowledge itself is vain. Okay, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't say make believers or just get them saved and then that's okay, it don't matter. That's a long gospel. A disciple is a person who's being trained continuously. And you're always a disciple in this world, okay? Even a mature Christian. Even Jesus said it's enough that you become a disciple, that you follow the Lord in maturity. He said that that's enough, okay? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Did he say give them the verses for salvation? No. Did he tell them, oh, just get them to say this prayer and just believe who I am? Uh-uh. He said, you teach them everything. And when the gospel's mentioned through the apostles, the gospel is not the salvation message. It's part of it. The gospel is everything they taught. So when people say, oh, at least we got them saved, you ain't done nothing. Because if they don't continue with the Lord, they'll fall away. And if they don't mature, they'll fall away. And if they claim to be a Christian after 20 years and they're still on milk, they got the false gospel because the Lord has no spiritually retarded children. They refuse to grow. They refuse to bear fruit. So they got a false gospel or they disobey the gospel somewhere 
along the line. So there are not seven scriptures of how to be saved, okay? The whole counsel of God must be given. Uh, shows us how to start the race, but we have to finish it. We must continue in the faith. We must continue in the grace. We must continue in the fear of the Lord. We must continue with Christ, or we will be cut off by the Father. He's made it very plain. So the many that say, Lord, Lord, are not going to make it because they did not follow him. They did not do his will. They were not led of his spirit. He that perseveres to the end is the only one who will get final salvation. Okay. If faith and grace are not used, it is lost. Grace has been given in vain to them. Paul speaks to that. And in closing, remember Paul told the Galatians who were being brought unto the Judaizers and saying, you need more than Christ. You've got to be circumcised. You got to. And what did he tell them? He said, you've gone back to the rituals and ceremonies. He said, and there is no other gospel. And he said, I will pray that Christ will be formed in you again. Why? Because they lost their salvation, many of them. They went back to Judaism. Instead of having faith in Christ's blood, oh, that's okay to have Jesus as a prophet, but you've got to be circumcised and keep the law. See, they, they didn't believe in the full truth of the gospel. And he said, well, Christ needs to be formed in you again. You don't hear the greasy graces talk about that scripture, do you? Because they were lost and they had fallen away from Christ. And he said, I'll pray that Christ will be formed in you. And one scripture, he said, perhaps, he's talking about those who've gone astray, like them. He said, perhaps God will give you again the gift of repentance. On the other hand, perhaps he won't. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll harden. So those who have the truth and forfeit it, they're not guaranteed they'll be given it again. There are no guarantees. Let's close. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us practical understanding of the true gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.